you kind of can relate to what other people are saying um, and their stories with, um, like CBC is really good for that. You get like in the story and you're, you know, it's exciting. So you don't listen to Oh, obviously, podcast? yes, I do. Yeah, actually, I did listen to Chris and yours. And okay. to prepare for this? No, 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 no. It wasn't even to prepare for it. Just I was going to Niagara, and, and I was stuck in traffic. And yeah. I learned a lot about... About your husband? Yeah. That's why I love radio and podcasting, because it forces you to listen, and not only that, listen to yourself, and mm -hmm. actually appreciate what someone is saying. Because we don't get a chance to appreciate, I think, what people are saying. Yeah. We don't listen, we're always on our phones. Yeah. You know, we've always got like 10 things going on, which is probably what we're gonna get into in this podcast. Uh, yeah. I think that's why I wanted to talk to you, because you're uh, one of those people uh, that I know that's in my life that I met within the last two years who's um, like really, you know, like done amazing things and inspired me and, you know, is, uh, you know, married to my best friend in life. So. I am married to him. <laughs> you were there when we got engaged. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. Well, mm -hmm. we'll talk about that. Yeah, you um, wear white sneakers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fila's. <laughs> Gotta do a shout I feel out you. for them. I yeah, there you, you go. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I wanted to ask you. You were really, really um, adamant that we podcast. I mean, I wanted to talk to you, but you were really adamant. Is that because you were jealous that uh, Chris, your husband, got a podcast ahead of you, an episode? Well, I'm not jealous. I just knew that he would always get a podcast because you, you know, you being stuck in a room with him is like your dream. So I feel like <laughs> you're like, oh, I get Chris to myself for two hours. Um, no, I feel like because I look up to you a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I just I feel like going That's back news to this to whole, me, by the way. But no, no, no. But going back to that <laughs> therapy sort of um, notion with this whole thing with radio. Um, I don't know. I'm interested to hear your perspective on what I've done in the last two years, and maybe you can kind of, you know, ask a few questions that I probably haven't had an opportunity to really reflect on or think about. And so I think that's kind of why I've been pressing you for this. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. I know. Also super Eastern European, like myself coming from Eastern European roots like you, yeah. that I always seek the validation of Fellow. some dude with a beard. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's true too. Well, it's funny. Um, yeah, I, I don't really, I look Eastern European, so it's like fully, people just know it without me even saying anything, but so for the for the people listening to this, you know, maybe let's start there. Mm -hmm. uh, little would... Danielle, where <laughs> which, where's she from? What's she doing? Well, um, I'm sorry, I keep walk, talking away from it. Um, yeah, that's okay. So <laughs> where would you like me to begin? Do you want me to like go back to like you well, where know, you're how from? My parents are immigrants. Um, I'm originally. I was born in St. Catharines. Um, I am the third of three children. So my oldest brother is, you could see how they got more Canadian. His name was Yvonne, my sister's Anita, and then I'm Danielle Marie, which can't get any more French Canadian than that. And we're not French Canadian. Um, but yeah, my dad came over from, I guess, former Yugoslavia or Croatia. And my mother, who was actually born here, but her mom and dad originally from Slovenia. So both from the former Yugoslavia, which yeah, that's and then we settled. They settled down in St. Catharines, and I grew up there. And as soon as I could leave, I left and came to Toronto. Why couldn't you wait to leave? Um, 
You know what? Growing up in St. Catharines was really, really great. It was It's a great place to, to raise a family, but um, I just... I, I think I got the travel bug because my parents would take us every year somewhere and I just, I knew there was more out there. I wanted mm-hmm. to be influenced by more, um, inspired by, you know, what other people were doing. And when I was a kid, I had an opportunity when I was in high school um, to work for a hair company. And so my parents would drop me off on a Thursday or Friday at the Buffalo airport and I would go away for three or four days all over the States. So it's really funny because I got to tour a little bit when, in the hair world. Um, so I was 16, I think, at the time, and I worked with kind of world-renowned hairdressers. And I was the baby of the bunch, and it sort of opened my eyes to there's, like, an industry, and, like, you know, it kind of relates to fashion, and that's mm-hmm. sort of what got me excited. And when you're in high school, you know, the, the silly BS that you deal with just seemed insignificant and it was just my eyes sort of were like I want to travel I want to be mm-hmm. in business and that sort of was that a battle it. with your parents to to convince them that you could do this as a 16 year old no because I got paid for it and they were just like <laughs> yeah so yeah. they literally totally it's Eastern really European yeah but here this is this will go back to the Eastern Europeanness of like you know being super strict um, they basically would drop me off I'd be gone for three, four days. Like I was in Detroit, New York, I would've been to Texas, all over the place. Yet the following week, and if I got to stay home, I wasn't allowed to go to a late night movie. (laughs) So they were just like, yes, you can travel, you can go to Texas, you can go to LA, you can go to New York, but God forbid you go to the Penn Center for a late night movie with a bunch of high school kids. So your parents were were cool, uh, you know, giving you some freedom as long as it was making some money. Exactly. But, Did so, you have to give them a cut? You know what? No, I've never. Did no, they get they, you to like save it or what? Uh, what did we do with it? Because at the time, the American dollar was super weak and I was making like American cash. So I literally threw it in a bank account and mm. I was able to travel with it and use it a bit for school. Wow. Were you always that aware of, you know, money and finance and opportunity? Because for someone who's 16, like I'll contrast this to my experience as a sixteen-year-old, yeah, which was a total shit show. But you sounded like you were pretty together um, at that point in your life. Um, I mean, it's all gone downhill, obviously. For yeah, it was just, seriously, <laughs> I hit twenty and bad. Um, no, you know what? I think working has always been a huge part of our, I guess, family dynamic yeah like my dad you know worked in a factory and he worked seven days a week Mm -hmm. and so growing up there was no like I didn't know that people didn't work sort of thing and my grandparents had a cherry farm um, and they worked you know we all worked and even anything to do like around the house it was like cool we're renewing something my dad was like we're all you all have to be a part of it so like I've so I think as a kid, like I started working when I was 12. Like I used to babysit. I know that, you know, to some people it's like really not a job, but that's what I did like every weekend. So I didn't get into any shit really as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I was a really good kid and I was surrounded by really good, um, like I had a really great group of friends whose parents had very similar, um, I guess, ethics and um, morals. Mm-hmm. And so we all just worked on weekends. We didn't really, you know, obviously got into some shit, but, um, yeah, work was, it, oh, and that was the other thing. My parents were also <laughs> cheap, I guess, where it was like, <laughs> cool, we'll buy you this, but if you want, you know, 
the better of whatever you have to pay for it. Right. And being the youngest too, my brother was what seven years older than me, and he was always already buying clothes for himself. So my mom's like, "Well, it's your turn to buy clothes for yourself." And you're like, "What? I'm I'm 13." So I, I got yeah. I guess I understood the value of money very quickly mm-hmm. and what it, you know purchasing power. So now you're a you know entrepreneur. We're sitting here um, in your beautiful tent. It's a um, haven, yeah. It's a haven of it's, lace. It's a, we're, so just to describe where we are, we're in uh, Lover's Land, which is your uh, your shop. You opened uh, about uh, what, a year and a half ago? About a year and a half ago, I opened it with um, two very hardworking ladies. Um, so I co-own it. Uh, it was definitely a dream. Like It, it took a, probably about three years to really mm-hmm. get the doors open. Um, but yeah, Lover's Land is a space that we just wanted to inspire couples. I kind of got in the bridal industry by accident. Um, I was a bridesmaid for one of my good friends and uh, we went to a trunk show and I met Arianne Goldman who started Two Birds Bridesmaid and Hatch Collection. She's like a New York based genius in my opinion, like such an entrepreneur. And immediately when she opened the door, like we went to this trunk show mm. with like nine other girls. Um, she opened the door and and I immediately was like, who are you? You're cool, I wanna be right. you. And I've never felt that, like obviously you get inspired by people, but before she even opened her mouth, I was like, what's going on here? Wow. And then within an hour of that like bridesmaid appointment, I was like exchanging emails, like I wanna work with you. And she was like, cool, well, you know, I've never heard of the company, never even thought of bridal to begin with. And she was like, well, we're looking for a Canadian sort of, office, like someone to run the Canadian business. And my girlfriends were like, my cheerleaders were like, this is your chick. Mm-hmm. And um, so the opportunity was there. I was or, or I was in the golf industry, which is a whole other uh, conversation. Really? Yeah. I, was I in, didn't know that. Yeah. I, re- I managed a, um, for Fletcher Leisure Group, um, they managed like Sun Ice, Callaway, uh, Ashworth, a bunch of mm-hmm. golf brands. I had never golfed. A Sun Ice was the shit back in oh, yeah. my day. <laughs> yeah. And then you know what? They made really, like, they're very technological. Like, mm-hmm. or they have so much technology within their garments. And so that's the only thing I knew was Sun Ice. I'm like, I had a Sun Ice jacket. I think everyone had yeah, a Sun Yeah, me too. Ice. Kind yeah. of bright, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, stuff. highlighter colors. Yeah. And, that was, that um, was some serious, like, social cred back in high school for me when you had a Sun Ice jacket. It, well, I had a hand me down, I had my sister's. And so I probably wore Sun Ice a year too late. It was just like, cool, it was done. So you've always always been aware of the trends. <laughs> yeah, I was always aware of it and like, yeah. I feel like those, uh, just sorry to totally steer this. It's all good. This completely off course, but yeah. I feel like uh, that would be the, uh, the vintage hipster move right now. Oh my God, Varnay. Um, Varnay turtlenecks and crewnecks. And you know what, Champion's back too. Champion. Like we used to go to the outlets all the time in Buffalo and get Champion like $3 hoodies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And we were always decked out in Champion. Um, yeah, all that stuff's back. I wish I kept it. Oh, it'd be worth a fortune. British Knights, LA Gear. I, I LA was, Gear, oh, yeah. remember the ones that glowed? Oh, they were yeah, so good. Yeah, ripped black jeans. Oh yeah, with like big cons, with the big tongues. Yeah, like, huge, yeah, 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 totally. With the big star. So yeah, all that stuff is is back, which is cool. I guess you just shouldn't throw anything away, is, is the moral of the story. I don't think that's the moral of the story. <laughs> it all comes back. 
even though you don't ever want it to. The moral of the story so far is be be very smart when you're young. Yeah, yeah. And have Euro parents who uh, make your life a little more difficult than it needs to be. Totally a little bit more Which difficult. prepares you really well for opening a um, oh, yeah. back your own to business. So we're back. We're, we're back. back to this. So Sorry, you met, you, you met uh, this woman from, from Two Birds. Mm-hmm. Like, you, it and was love so, at first sight. It was. It was love at first sight. And so, anywho, I reached out to her via email and was just like, hey, I'm interested. Let me do this. Mm-hmm. And she w- she I met with her again next time she was in Toronto. And then long story short, she was like, cool, well, I'm pregnant. So if you're going to do this, it's going to be you. Like, you're mm-hmm. going to have very limited support. And I was like, I'm in. That's your gig. Yeah. I'm like, All I All you limited support. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like, Thanks, I've been Dad. there. Yeah. Mom. Exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, within a year later with... Um, the help of my now husband who found the space on Queen West. I opened Two Birds Bridesmaid Canada with um, with the US office and managed that. And that's what sort of got me into bridal. So my sort of take on bridal was always like, this is like, you know, an important moment in someone's life. Treat everyone with the utmost excitement and mm-hmm. respect. And, you know, so girls would come in for their bridesmaid's appointments. Like, this is way better than my uh, bridal appointment. Or they're like, you know, I would sort of throw out ideas because I've always dressed people um, for a long time and I was always intrigued. I would always ask questions about like, where are you getting married? Um, What are you wearing to the bride? Like, you know, paint me a picture. What's the vibe of your wedding? And they're Mm. like, these are questions I never really get. Like no one really gives a, you know, a hoot about, I just said hoot because I'm trying not to swear. No, you can. Um, No one like. Just do one, just say. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I will swear eventually, (laughs) trust me. Um, Yeah, so that's what sort of, you know, a light bulb went off because you're listening to your customer, going back to the whole listening thing, um, that there was something missing in the bridal market. And then I linked up over a bottle of wine with um, Yvonne Reedy, and she came from like a wholesale background. And I was like, dude, this is something in bridal needs to get, there's, something needs to kind of get shook. And mm-hmm. so she, she, at the stage in her life, had been to a lot of bridal appointments as well that were kind of like a bit of a snore. She's like, yeah, totally, like, let's let's do something. And then, so she had, you know, a, a different aspect of the fashion business. And then uh, Trish Spencer, who managed a lot of retail um, shops, had that sort of aspect. Mm-hmm. So the three of us kind of put our heads together and we're like, we need to, we need to create this, this concept. Um, and then, yeah. November 2014, we opened. Um, it's basically, we called it Lover's Land because it's not just bridal. We didn't want it to be, you know, like pearls and lace or, um, you yeah. know, just something. And Although be, we are in a lace tent. We are, but now. lace can be cool, you know. Like, <laughs> it's I've really seen, cool. you know, stuff on motorcycles. Well, when you asked me where you want to record, I insisted that we do it here. Because you like, see, you're, you're a dude sitting in a lace tent and yeah. you're like, this is pretty great. Like, you want to. It's go, cozy. It is. It's cozy. Um, but that's at the back of the store because right. the front of the store is like one of the most beautiful stores I've ever seen. It's really, like, Thank it's simple, you. it's clean. Um, it's like the design is, it's not obvious. You have to kind of look at it. Mm-hmm. And it reveals itself. It's it, it's one of the coolest storefronts I've ever I've ever been in. Wow! Yeah. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, no um, well, I can't take full credit for that. Um, Castor helped us out. Mm-hmm. So our whole concept too was that we wanted bridal to be more inclusive and for couples, like modern couples. Um, so you mean like so dudes wouldn't feel that awkward exactly. walking into the store? Exactly. Right. Where they can like you know we've had dudes come in and like hey I need to propose to my chick like what like right. what do I do or hey we like couples come in we just got engaged what do we do mm-hmm. so. So, yeah, like you kind of walk in the store and it's like people really 
and because it's winter here six months of the year and so we just wanted a warm space that's inspiring and clean Mm -hmm. and you know friendly to all ages and sexes and um castor kind of doing what they do is very industrial very modern it was kind of a cool approach you know to kind of mash it up with bridal so, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, we kind well, of you were you were talking about you know that like like, like things like experience and, and the feeling of like a space and all these things and so when when you walk into the store, um, you know whether you intend to buy something or not, it's definitely a space you like being in. Yeah, yeah, like especially when it's you know minus twenty and shitty outside. Yeah, and that's where majority like of people like that's when people plan their weddings. So we really wanted it to be warm and inviting, but still cool and inspiring. Well, it's funny, when when I heard about this idea, uh, yeah. it, it, everyone's like, what? <laughs> you're gonna open a bra, and I'm like, you know, I don't know the industry. No um, one, yeah. I am nowhere near getting married, so this is like not a thing um, that like preoccupies any of my attention. And I'm like, okay, bridals, aren't they like, off in the suburbs or some like you know retail uh, outpost in the middle of Mississauga. Like, why would you open one in Ossington where it's super expensive to have a shop? And I didn't get it at first. Like, why do you need to be here? Many people didn't get it. Even in the bridal industry, they were just like, "Okay, cool." You because we were trying to explain it like almost like a mini department store where mm-hmm. you can get multiple kind of things off the list. I guess um, that's bridal related even post, like it's kind of stuff that you can do pre, during, post your wedding, Mm -hmm. you know, even for honeymoon and stuff. Um, A lot of people were sort of like, cool, like not really gonna get it. I think the biggest thing we wanted was to establish a relationship with our customers. Like for the average girl, this is their most expensive dress they'll ever purchase number one. So their experience better be fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Like it better be, ding, ding, swore. Swore once, all right, get out of your system. Put it on the, yeah. it, you sort of, you know, we, it's it's an important part and they need to trust us and we want them mm-hmm. to sort of enjoy it. And then it always blew our minds, like especially in traditional retail, that bridal shops would be like, cool, thank you for your $3,000, peace out, we'll never see you again. Where it's like, why wouldn't you sort of, you know, harvest that relationship and make it a lifetime? Like, right. and, and, you know, and that's why, you know, we see couples six months after the wedding, we see them a month, like, you know, hey, it's my bachelorette party, I need a swimsuit, or, um, you know, their moms come in and they're like, oh, this is where my daughter bought her dress. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's gonna be like a, in the memory bank. And um, that's what we really wanted, what we wanted to achieve. And also because couples have changed and I feel like the bridal industry's sort of been this, which is a really interesting industry. It's very female, driven and it's very entrepreneurial and small business like Mm -hmm. um so that was one thing that sort of perked my interest um especially kind of where the economy is going to be very like much more entrepreneurial right well that's what's so interesting uh you know you were describing this relationship which really starts at the point of someone you know it's like oh i'm getting married what do i do now and you know you guys realize that it's not just about that. That's the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the you know the, the most uh, you know that's what's going to get people into the door. And you right. have the opportunity to really build that relationship from the start. Right. And you know they'll continue to come back to this part of town because it's a part of town that people tend to come back to, mm-hmm. uh, the Ossington area, and they'll drop in for other stuff. Right. Because you've built that relationship, and I think that's what's interesting about this kind of you know small medium sized business Toronto hustle right now mm-hmm. is that you really have to be. Um, you have you have to hustle. You have to be creative. You have to build these relationships. Yeah, it's not this big box experience. That's why we're here. Which is interesting. I just got back from LA, and a lot of people out there were saying how, 
you know, East Coast versus West Coast business. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in when you're in stores in Orange County or, or Los Angeles, they still have that sort of big box feel. They're right. done beautifully, don't get me wrong. Like it is some of the most gorgeous, you know, merchandise stores I've ever been mm-hmm. in. But there's something big box. It's like there's no authenticity or like something's missing. And we were talking about that and I think it is that sort of personal kind of gr- like hustle mm-hmm. that you kind of almost see the sweat and tears like in it. Like I don't know if it's just the environment itself, but you there that that was something that I saw that wasn't quite there in LA. But yeah, it's definitely in Toronto, a little bit in New York too. Yeah, well, I mean to you know always bring it back to being you know Russian or <laughs> Euro. When I grew up. In, in my neighborhood, which was uh, in North Toronto, Bathurst and Steeles, I mean, my parents used to take me to like the tailor mm-hmm. and the butcher mm-hmm. and the whatever thing, and they owned the businesses. Right. And I remember having these like really interesting experiences. They weren't transactional. Right. Right. Like you'd go there and you, you'd hang out, and yeah. my you know my dad would buy like you know sweaters, which were all like Cosby sweaters back in totally. the eighties. Totally. Yeah. And. Um, and like I think like my me- earliest memories was of being there for like two hours. Yeah and learning about the person and things like that. And I get that same vibe on Ossington. And yeah. this is kind of another reason why I wanted to to sit down with you and uh, you know, ultimately uh, you know, to steal ideas and learn things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but uh, I want you, know, you to pull the ideas so I can learn things <laughs> this too. This is therapy. Yeah. And, but you know, just being on the street, something you said really struck a chord in me in that um, you know, you you wanted to create this experience here. It had to be here. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be out in the burbs in some mm-hmm. kind of you know tucked away area. And that's how I felt because you know, owning a uh, you know a gym like ours or, or a business like ours, most of them are tucked away. Mm-hmm. Most of them are in places that um, you have to you know really really find. There's not a lot around, like in terms of restaurants or galleries right. or communities. Um, in most cases, and. You know, for me, it was really important to be here, which which is Ossington, West Toronto, which is an up and coming area, mm-hmm. and is you know really setting trends and defining things for for young urban people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's tough because it's so much more expensive. Yeah, and yeah. you have to work so much harder, but you have a chance to create something really unique. Yeah, like I think in the traditional sense of how a bridal shop would go, you know. That's what that's I think why it took us three years versus six months to get the doors open mm-hmm. because we knew we wanted to have an impact. Like a lot of bridal shops would be second story mm-hmm. by appointment only. You don't have to worry about the front end of the retail. But I think, you know, advertising and marketing has shifted um, mm-hmm. where you can't just put an ad in a magazine anymore. Like so you sort of have to I think it, it having, you know, whatever square footage in the front end that's like walk-in traffic, I think what you have at the Academy is that experience and that's advertising and that's marketing where you wanna be a part of that sort of community that what's going on here, you're Mm -hmm. like, this is cool, how do I be a part of this? And when you're standing in it, you're a part of it. And that's where it's like, you know, you have your social media tool of, you know, your smartphone or whatever um, and you're documenting it. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of, again, what we were trying to achieve. But back to your like small town, little shop owners, yeah. it just took me back to, there was this man in uh, Thorold. His name was Rocco. He was this like, this Italian dude that my dad would Never go by. Oh, it was, yeah, <laughs> but he was so, he had this like, I almost felt like it was like the Godfather's like, you know, source for almonds and prosciutto and like codfish. <laughs> but I remember going with my dad and we would just sit there and 
I, I remember not really understanding a word that this guy was saying, but my dad interacting with him and it was just the coolest. And mm -hmm. this guy was like, and it was, it was like this back alley, like, and he had like, you know, I don't even know what they're called, like just barrels of almonds or like right. cod and whatever. And I just was like mesmerized by like this interaction that was happening between my dad and him. And I have a lot, yeah, that, that's exactly what we wanted to achieve. I have Rocco in the back of my head now. But, you're just yeah. like an, <laughs> you're just an updated Rocco. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, it's cool because as things sort of drift towards uh, anti-socialism, mm -hmm. right? Um, anti-social <laughs> social club, yeah. right? Uh, but you know, sitting at a restaurant, everyone on their phone, not talking to each other, but yeah. you know, it's like, hey, did you see my post? I just posted five seconds ago. Yeah. Um, I, I think we we need these kind of places and experiences. We we definitely need to have them. Um, it's 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 funny growing up in a European culture where that's very much a thing, and and not not having it as much in Toronto, but wanting to build it. And and what's what's cool is we have a little bit of a of an opportunity to do it here in this community because. You know, you're 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 here on Ossington. I'm here yeah. on Ossington. Your husband's just around the, the corner. corner. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast, who are your clients or my clients, mm -hmm. you know, they're entrepreneurs. They're starting businesses. It's it's kind of a it's it's kind of a, a hive. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting place. It's funny. I always thought of I even though like I was an employee before opening Lovers Land or whatever. I've always just pictured myself, like me as Danielle Gulick, I'm like even going for a job, you're your own business, mm -hmm. you're your own brand. You you are, you know, so you're always hustling to kind of get yourself the best sort of position. So I think entrepreneurship was just something that was sort of in my DNA somehow. Like I've never sort of, ev like every job I've ever had, I've treated it like it was my own. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, it's really interesting to see I guess so many of, of our friends, you know, having side hustles on top of, you know, their full-time jobs. Um, the other thing, going back to Toronto, I think, you know, go, growing up in St. Catharines, I almost feel like we're having, it's a, it's more small town now here in Toronto than it is in the Burbs. Absolutely. Like, they don't, as much as it is like, you know, they still value going to Starbucks over like a local little coffee shop. Mm -hmm. and. Um, that's one thing about Toronto that I friggin' love, and Ossington in particular. Well, we have to rely on each other because totally. you know we we have these businesses, and in a lot of cases, we you know we bootstrap them. We we sacrifice everything to get it done. Mm -hmm. And when um, you know when when Chris, your husband, was was building his shop, mm -hmm. so many people came around and helped him out. Mm -hmm. When same here too. I can't like the night, the night before we opened. We were, you all were here. here. There yeah. was about twenty five. I was here for the pizza though. Okay, well, whatever. I thought you were doing stuff. Um, <laughs> I was, but for pizza. <laughs> yeah, Yvonne, my partner, was in LA because she still runs a sales agency. So she was like literally facetiming us. Her boyfriend mm -hmm. was here. Her like brother was here. We had like this whole crew and it was you know one o'clock in the morning going shoot we have to open in less than 12 hours just let's merchandise guys like we had you know my husband was yeah. steaming and that's that's what, what that's part of it like you know anytime you've ever needed help even though you're like no no no, it's fine it's fine like you know even though I, I will be there to help you and I feel like that's community and that sort of entrepreneurship like you know you it's respect for each other's, you know. Absolutely. Hustle. Well, it's community. It's also like mm -hmm. it is. It is necessity. Like mm -hmm. we have to. We have to do it this way. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's what's cool. The other thing that I I like about it is, you know, like working out. 
mm-hmm. at you know back when all of us were kind of a little more in town and consistent. Um, we were. You I was know, in the like, gym yesterday. I don't know you? what you were doing. It was my day off. It was my day off. It was my day off. I'm still recovering from the marathon. Oh right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Oh yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was a beat down and a half. No, you but, finished it though. That's huge. Yeah. I haven't done a marathon of, yet. Of, no. So okay, anybody that's attempted it. Okay, we're gonna. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna make a note that we're gonna get back to that. Okay, cool. I'm gonna convince you to do a half marathon at least. Okay. But but you know. I think that plays such a factor that not only in your business but your life. I mean, you know, oh being God, there, yeah. being there, it's like okay, at seven a.m., you know, I'm working out with Chris, your husband, working out with you know our, our buddies or mm-hmm. you know friends of yours too. And then at eight, you know, the girls come in and, and you're there, and and uh, you know, and Yvonne was there, and Trish was there before mm-hmm. baby and stuff like that. And it was so cool to see everybody from the neighborhood. You know, it was like a very Mister Rogers kind of Norman Rockwelly kind of vibe, except everybody has tattoos and. <laughs> yeah, I only have one little and, one, but yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's true. I think working out, like especially your gym like okay I don't I think I told you our this gym, story Danielle. yeah our, our gym, gym the Ossington gym <laughs> um before because my sister has a CrossFit gym and I remember yeah. when she was opening it I was before I even stepped foot in your gym mm-hmm. I I knew what Academy Alliance was because it just your branding and everything was just so fierce and I remember bringing it up for her on the computer and was just like dude this is the shit in Toronto. Mm. And I was hyping your gym up so much, and even though I had never stepped foot in it, and I was just like, this is strong, there is a message, you wanna be a part of this. Mm. And then, you know, I think it was probably a year later, I ended up going to your gym, before I even knew you too, I did a a drop-in CrossFit class and got my ass handed to me. Um, but it was like the best feeling in the world. And then, you know, you and Chris met, la la la, everyone's heard that podcast. And now you have them <laughs> tattooed on your leg, not weird. Um, but um, yeah, so we, we, we started working out and I don't think, I don't think either of us would have gotten married or, you know, would still have survived opening two businesses mm-hmm. side by side um, without sort of that outlet of going to the gym. So in a, in a very short time frame, both you guys opened your own shops, mm-hmm. like within you know like feet of each other. Yeah, yeah. You you moved. Yes. Uh, you got married. Yeah, I'm moving uh, again actually you're, on Friday. You're moving again. I yeah. think Chris ran his first marathon. Yes. Killed it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what else happened, but. Um, I've well within that time I ran more than five kilometers. Remember that first time you went up to Parkdale Roadrunners was my first time. With when really? you were with Sean Killen, yeah. No, that wasn't my first time. Though. Oh, it was wasn't like, your first time? It was time? one of my first times. Okay, yeah, yeah, but that's when I first went out and mm-hmm. you refused to say hi to me. That's not that's true. That's fine. That is not true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> ran like numerous races. Like I never, like ever, I, I hate running. And mm-hmm. so you know that, I think everyone knows that. And so within that time, Chris and I built so many relationships, a family with working out, like the friendships that I've made through working out. Cause I even remember when you were like, you, you need to come to the gym and just do a workout. And I'm like, no, no, it's cool, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Cause also like, I think cause my sister was a gymnast and she was like the athlete in the family. Right. I always was like, no, I'll leave that to her, it's cool. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not really an athlete. You're um, the entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, I've always dabbled in athletics, but I've never really fully committed to it, I think. I don't know why, but yeah. So anyways, going to the gym, I can't even tell you like the friendships and like the family, I mm-hmm. would say that that we've made. And 
the things that I've accomplished and, and how much stronger. I, I legitimately feel more energetic, you know, than I did when I was 20. 30 is the new 20. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like 40 would be. I know, 40 is gonna be the I'm new 25, that, yeah. but yeah. Um, so, you know, you were saying when, when you were young, you didn't feel like an athlete, but. I've never. But, you know, when you work out, you work out hard. Like, you you look like an athlete, so. I think I, like, I. Did well, you play sport? Did yeah, yeah, yeah. I do? played soccer, um, which was like, hello, you're Croatian. I feel like there was always a soccer oh, ball around. It. I played basketball, because mm -hmm. during, you know, the Bulls was. Yeah. During that uh, era, Tony Kukoc, right? I met him actually, and was just oh, you like, pronounced it right? How yeah, do you pronounce it? Kukoc, Tony Kukoc. 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 Yeah. He was one of my favorites. He just was cool, great shooter. Um, and so you know, it was the heyday of, of of that. So I feel like it was just natural to play basketball. What else did I play? I skied. I danced for like ten mm -hmm. years, wow. which um, you know was like the jazz hands. Like it was pretty funny. <laughs> Tap. Um, but yeah, because my sister was such a she. Like I just. She just wowed me all. She was so strong. Like she'd walk up and down, you know, stair like stairs and stuff on her hands. Like she was, and that's what she had a very different upbringing than I did. And my father, who was a really good soccer player, I think if um, you know life was a little bit more generous to him, like if he had better opportunities, he probably could have been pro. Like he mm. has a. My dad always kind of like had us approach sports that it's like there's no such thing as house league. There's no such thing as just for fun. It's like you know, when you're not in a game or you're not practicing, you better be in the backyard dribbling um, a soccer ball or you're in the front yard dribbling a basketball. So I think it kind of scared me. Um, like when I played soccer, I played for the city of St. Catharines. A lot of my girlfriends were some of the best soccer players. Um, and I was always sort of mediocre and I never took it too serious because I think I was scared um, because I had so many people around me and that's what they were known for. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it was like a confidence thing growing up. Um, but now I like I think you told me one day you're like you you can consider yourself an athlete and I was like really and then when my sister seconded it I was just like oh shit and then you know even having that um, positive feedback from my family of like you look strong I've never been the strong one I'm just like yeah like yeah. you know so that was sort of you know it wasn't till I was thirty that I felt like an athlete. It's one weird? of the. It's, I know it's me too. Really? Me too. Yeah. I, I mean, I always played sports when I was a kid, and I loved to do it, but I never thought I was an athlete. Yeah. Ever. Um, I wanted to be. That was my. That was my dream, right? Uh, but then I had to change my dream when I realized that everybody was better than me. Yeah, like it was, uh, and it's really ridiculous. But I always loved like and going. Maybe this is why I'm in fashion. But like I always loved like the track suits and like the uniforms. Yeah, me too. Like, I appreciated the. You know. When a team walks in with like matching, like just looking fierce, like that's what I was always I think, mm -hmm. really. So I grew to. up on, um, you know, Fila tracksuits and and you know bringing it back to Fila. Yeah, I think we alluded to this earlier. Yeah, and, and just getting liked. getting back to your crazy year or so. Yeah. Um, so your proposal mm -hmm. was pretty special. Mm hmm. So Do you again, want me to give you details to, on that, or I don't know if you guys touched. I'd on like that. to get because I mean I know my perspective because I was there. Yeah. Uh, but I I want your perspective. Um, I felt really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my my perspective. Um, so my husband Chris Hamill, uh, we've been together for nine nine years this fall, and we've it, that was a huge challenge too. Going back to like a hard harsh uh, a family, um, he does. How do I even go about talking about this? But anyways, 
when we started dating, because my husband's very tattooed and um, sort of, you know. Head came, to toe. Yeah. Literally. Neck to, to fingers. Yeah. yeah. One day. Um, one day head, though, I think. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. Anyways. <laughs> upper uh, neck. Doesn't matter. Details. Details. <laughs> but anyways, he's heavily tattooed. You can't hide them. And didn't, you know, kind of go the traditional route that. I was expected to go and people around me were expected to go and my parents sort of expected me to date, you know, someone who's an engineer or a doctor or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, someone whose last name ended with like a C, CK. Itch. Or itch. Yeah. Like, itch. yeah. But not even. They never. But that's the thing. They never drilled it home to us. Mm. But anyways, when Chris walked in the door, they were just like, huh? great you're her friend and I was like no no he's my boyfriend like I really like him and my dad first of all was like he doesn't drink he doesn't like at the time he was veggie so you know for a Croatian like you can't offer him booze and you can't offer him meat like what right right so you know and he didn't go to you know university and stuff and he was he was a tour manager at the time and my dad was sort of like (laughs) okay cool this is a phase and then you know I'm like you know, Tata, that's what I call my father. Um, I'll never forget this. I was just after Thanksgiving weekend and he go, I'm like, I'm moving in with Chris. And I'm already like fully independent woman. I have my own job, I have a salary, I went to school, whatever. And he goes, no. He goes, if you do this, like, I, we, don't, we don't agree with you. If you do this, you are like no longer in this family. And I just remember going like to my dad, I was just like over the phone walking to my girlfriend's house and I was just bawling my eyes out, Chris is on tour. And I'm just like, listen, you can't tell me no, first of all. Second of all, like you can't disown me. Like you can't, that's not that, you're choosing not to talk to me, I will always be your daughter. And he was just like, you do this, I don't know who you are, you don't come to the house, Mm. whatever. So it was basically like you choose your boyfriend or you choose your family talk about harsh and so anyways that sort of put me in a headspace of like what the heck right like you're you're your number one cheerleaders in your life like your parent like your parents were supposed to be like you're the best you're the best whatever we're just like no you're wrong you don't know what you're doing listen to us because we know what's best for you so anyways that was like six years of just like total turmoil of like just questioning and doubting yourself and like you know um so Anyways, fast track to like six, seven years later, and then Chris asked me to marry him on this crazy Air Canada stage in front of 14,000 people, um, you know, at a City in Color show. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, I was, I, was, I was so in love with Chris. Like, we've literally hit every hurdle you can hit as a couple. Um, and I just never thought in a million years he would ever ask me like that. I always thought we would just be like sitting on a couch, like, why don't you just go get married? And, mm. or let's just go to Vegas or something. So anyways, he, he knew that too. He's like, that's why I wanted to completely shock you. But also where we were in our lives, it just wasn't on the table. Like I was never anybody that was like, we need to get married. So when I say I felt stupid, it just came out of nowhere. And I thought I was being punked. So when he first brought me on stage, like all of a sudden Dallas, who, um, who actually Chris was on tour with when I got that crazy phone call. So mm-hmm. um, with my father, but um, 
when he called Chris on stage, I was like, oh, this is really cute. And I think you were sitting next to me or something. And I was like, I should probably grab my camera and take a picture of this. This is probably a moment or whatever. And then all of a sudden they call me on stage and I was just like, they're gonna fucking make me try and sing something, aren't they? Because I mess up lyrics all the time. I had like, so you had no idea no that he was idea, None wow. whatsoever. And I just like was like, oh, I'm gonna embarrass myself. And so I just went out and was like, cool, what do you want me to do? And then all of a sudden he like, you know, says like really sweet things of like, I love you, you're my best friend, la la la. And he gets down on one knee and I still think I'm being punked. And I'm just like, what? And it didn't hit me until like, I think the crowd started cheering that I was like, oh shit. I'm like, this is happening. This is like happening to me. And then I just basic, I told him to FO cause I didn't believe him. And then I, I'm pretty sure I like looked at Dallas and was just like, fuck you, like you knew about this. And like, just then I like, like jumped on Chris and was just like, okay, cool. This just happened. And yeah, like you were there. Like I just, I literally was just like, what just happened? What just happened? And then they had to like carry me off stage cause I was just still in that sort of shocked moment. And then because I had purple hair at the time, when I ran to the bathroom after just to like collect my emotions and self and, and like, you know, and stuff, we, uh, my two girlfriends were with me and as we're walking out, the show ended and then everyone knew me because I had this like hideous leopard you sweater on. You could a more like, unique outfit. outfit. Yeah. yeah, I, and weirdly enough that earlier that day, my dad called me and was just like, what's new, what's new, what's new? And I like legitimately, in my head, I was in the office at the time when he called me about four hours before in the afternoon, I was like, what do you think, I'm engaged or something? So that thought actually went through my mind, which is really totally weird, but anyways. Um, but yeah, anyways, we were walking around the ACC and everyone's just slow clapping me and I'm just like, shit, like, you know, and then all, then all of a sudden I started thinking, cause I asked Chris after, um, I was like, did you like, there are parents here? Like what's going on? And he's like, no, no one yeah. knows. And I'm just like, shit, like our parents are gonna find out over social media that I just got engaged. And then, so anyways, it was a wicked night. I wish we just got married there on the spot, but <laughs> it was the best. He's great. He's like the best. Everyone was the best, but that's when I felt really stupid after. I was like, how did I not know about this? And like, when did you have the ring? And then I was like, you're living this double life. And I don't like surprises, so. Yeah. yeah, so you were you were you were happy and overjoyed, but you were also like questioning. Oh, I <laughs> just felt like what else are you hiding? From? Exactly, <laughs> and then I felt so stupid, and then everyone, I was like, everyone knew but me. Like, how stupid could I be? But, well, this, this is kind of back to the white filas mm. because I wore I had this these white pair, like the freshest whitest you pair looked, of white feels. Yeah, they were like, you looked fresh. They you were looked. fresh. And I never wear like white shoes like that. Ever. Especially feelers, you know, I never, but I had these these feelers that, that uh, feel had given me, right? And yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna wear these tonight. And I'm just gonna like drop hints all night. And See? you're not gonna know. Because because Chris, uh, Chris had been planning this for so long. And during our morning workouts with like all our buddies, with the academy, like that's all we talked about. Like, you know, we were like, really? we like choreographed. It's like, okay, you're oh. gonna sit here, and at this point, you're gonna go here, and then da -da -da. And, and so no everyone was in on it, which was so cool. And uh, well, and so, he's also like a barber, which I sometimes make fun of that, like, he's like, he likes to chat a lot he, to a lot of people. Yeah. So I'll the, post the link to the to our podcast. Yeah, please do, because it. like the fact that it didn't get back to me still blows my mind. It's amazing. But, and, yeah. and all night I just kept saying, I feel like it's gonna be a special night. Which and that was I my just, life. 
<laughs> and and you guys were like, Danny, shut the fuck up. Why are you saying that all the time? And right? I'm like, I just feel like it's going to be a special night. Well, and the other weird thing, too, is that everyone was really nice to me. Like, when we yeah. walked in the ACC, we ran into, like, 20 people that we knew. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, wow, everyone's, like, here. Like, they're making a thing about this show. Like, I'm proud of Dallas, too. He's playing the ACC. But, like, you know, this is a thing. Yeah, he was probably so. nervous about that. <laughs> yeah, right? So I have I have that whole video. Yeah, um, you should. I gotta, I gotta get it to you, but from the moment where, and you did, you you told everyone to fuck off, including mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. who were sitting <laughs> side stage. And yeah. then I have about a four minute makeout session of you and Chris. Really? Yeah. Are you sure I wasn't crying? Because I was, I was you crying were, you after. You were crying. You were, you were, yeah, okay. yeah, it was pretty cool. I was just in such shock. I've never been surprised so much. Yeah. That was cool. It was cool. It was it was amazing to to be involved in something like that in front of fourteen thousand people and you know a global. Didn't even feel rock like star. They, were, they were even in the room. Really? <laughs> so, no, it was. You know what? All the people around us that like you know you guys were there on on side stage and and Juice and and the crew and it was it was really special. Mm-hmm. As much as people are like, because I've helped with proposals before. So I used to work for Smirnoff way back in the day, and uh, like between timeouts and stuff, they used to sponsor it for the Raptors. Mm. So I actually used to go down to center court and help people um, with like contests or whatever, and it was Valentine's Day, and I helped somebody with a proposal. So I've been a part of it in the ACC, which is kind of weird that I was like, oh, who would ever want to get proposed to this way? And then, you know, (laughs) 10 years later, I get proposed to in the same same arena. Of course. Weird. Yeah. And I guess your parents have kind of mellowed out. Oh, oh, so I don't know that. Yeah, so they, that's basically when I think it, it turned over. Cause like, uh, yeah, like there was definitely a lot of, you know, Chris and I even broke up at, at one point, but um, not to harp on the past, but um, yeah. So the next morning I didn't sleep at all. I was just like still, I guess, in sh- I was like had post-traumatic stress <laughs> from that um, shock. I mean, um, but I called my mom the next morning at 7 a.m. And she's, you know, at, at home making crepes, our palachinke, and uh, which is a great breakfast. Everyone should try it. Mm-hmm. Um, not paleo. Feel, feel free to. <laughs> Bring the, some. Yeah, okay, cool, I will. <laughs> For part um, two. There we go. Uh, there was going to be a part two. <laughs> we didn't get to everything. But, um, yeah, I called my mom that next morning and was just like, so what are you doing? And she's like, you know, making breakfast. And I was like, so last night Chris asked me to marry him, and I said yes. And her response was the best. It was, oh, okay. <laughs> and she was just like, but wait a minute. I thought he was on tour. I'm like, no, no, no. He, he like, is, he just played Toronto. She goes, but I don't understand. Like, how does he propose to you if he's not in the city? I'm like, no, no, no. It was in Toronto. So clearly the coffee didn't kick in for her yet. So <laughs> she just, and I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be, here we go. Another, like, rocky road. But now they were super sweet. And they, like, invited us to the house. And now his parents and my parents are, like, BFFs. They, like, legitimately hung out Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. They, like, slept over, his parents slept over at my parents' house, like, it's like it never happened, and my mom apologized. I think going back to like the Eastern European thing, um, I don't know, uh, or just being, you know, they came to a country that was new, and I think they also know how life is is a bit challenging. And for what they understood of what they wanted their kids to mm-hmm. to to kind of grow up with or whatever. I I think my parents were just sort of, it was a culture, like the whole punk rock, hardcore scene was just not what they were used to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I feel like we've taught them a lot. 
So it's cool. Like even my dad, because he was in the army. He had, I guess when you're when, in Yugoslavia, yeah, I could tell. yeah he had for, to. for anybody who hasn't met, I've, I've met your dad. I think once or twice. Yeah. And he he's can only wicked. he's he can only be described as a very dapper James Bond villain. He's he could have been an actor. I feel like he's got he's the a, looks. He's for a good looking dude. Yeah, yeah. He's little, but which is kind of yeah. like a Mel Gibson like meets uh oh the Jeff I, is it. Craig Daniel, yeah. Uh, Daniel there. Craig. Daniel Craig, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Mishmash between the two of them. Yeah, he's got that vibe going on. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, so anyways, he, he was Croatian a paratrooper. Bond. And so he even brought up to me once, he was like, you know, like I wanted to get a chess piece when I was younger. And I was like, shut up. I'm like, that took you eight years to say that. And he was like, yeah, you know, I wanted like these like, you know, airplanes on my chest, but like my dad told me not to. And I was like, Are you, do you want it now? Like, so, you know. They, you can teach wow. your parents a lot. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They're the best. So I'm not putting you on the spot because I've heard you talk mm, about it. Okay. But, you know, at some point in in your lives, you probably will have some kind of a little little thing, child. Oh, a baby. A baby. Uh, yeah. At some point. Yeah, no, I, I would hope. I don't know. Uh, that's You, you don't have to answer that. But I'm, no, no, no. The, I, go ahead. <laughs> But the question is, allow me to ask yes, the question sorry, here, sorry. Daniel. Okay, but what I'm saying is, is that um, for some reason I think about this a lot. Um, again, I'm nowhere close to having a kid, but I, I feel you know, growing up the way I did, in my mind, I was always thinking about how I would do it, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I, I felt a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of things about growing up in uh, like a European culture, especially one that that um, you know comes to a new country and is trying to define success and find success, mm-hmm. and doesn't really know how mm-hmm. and I felt like my parents were, were, were they tried really hard but they didn't get it you know mm-hmm. they, they didn't okay. really understand what life was like here and so a lot of things that end up you know uh, trying to be expressed as love get expressed as repression right or or fear right and um, and, and I was always committed to you know making sure that you know whatever other person I influenced was not influenced by those things right <clears throat> so uh, I will get to the question in a second. Okay. <laughs> I'm just no, <laughs> defining the context, but this is good. And uh, yeah, now I'm the one in therapy. But uh, the 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 reason I'm saying this is because lately I've realized that a lot of those values, uh, again, back to that European you know community thing, uh, are values I really like. You know, I like the hustle. I like being out and independent. But I also like the feel of being you know in a community. Mm-hmm. And when you were describing the way you grew up and you know being 16 and, and on a plane and, and, and making your own money. Mm-hmm. You're basically an entrepreneur. I'm curious, have you thought a lot about how you would do it for you know your future kid? Are you going to kind of blend these it's, these two worlds together? It's you know, funny. I I'm going to be 32 actually in one month, um, and as a female entrepreneur. Uh, that's a big question that mm-hmm. I've always assumed I would have children. Um, I look at Lover's Land like it's a baby. I look at Town Barber like it's a baby because it it's on your mind constantly, um, which I'm sure Academy Alliance for you is a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it I, I haven't been able to wrap my head around children yet because I grew up with very involved parents. Um, I look at my sister who's literally ready to pop with um, my nephew. She already has um, my niece Zoe and 
Uh, she's an incredible kid, and my sister l- took off. She's a chiropractor by trade or whatever, and uh, she took a year off, and, and my brother-in-law kind of manages the business and is a chiropractor now. But um, I don't – I kind of – if say I got if a baby just dropped in my lap today how it would work is I feel like that kid would definitely be a part of our daily and a part of our business just like our dog like I, I'm not trying to compare a kid to a dog but like our dog <laughs> your dog's George, very much like your kid yeah, yeah and he is and I think he's a part of our family and our family is our business and so you know when he's mostly at Tam Barber, he walks to work with us every day. Like our dog legitimately has a job. Um, and if he's not there, he's here at Lover's Land. And I think having a kid, like, obviously I would have to take physically time off, but going back to like looping back to Ariane, um, who is like my entrepreneurial idol, mm-hmm. she was texting me and emailing me at like an hour after she gave birth to her first baby. Mm-hmm. And so that just set the bar for me where it's like, I think it's just gonna you're just gonna amalgamate into our life somehow. I haven't figured it out mm-hmm. how, and I don't think I will until we're at that point. But for women, it's obviously a lot harder because we physically, the nine months leading up to the arrival of said child, and and the post, like your body just goes through, you know, such changes. I hope I can handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know. Chris would be an amazing dad. I'm sure he'll be more hands-on than he think he will be because he'll have to be. Um, I don't know if this answers your question at all, but you know what? It answers a different question. Oh, okay. But it's a good, but it's a good answer. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's it's an interesting topic. I I know nothing about it, but it, again, it must be challenging. Neither do for, I. <laughs> no, I mean, well, the, nobody does, but yeah. nobody knows, like especially for a woman. Um, you know, which I'm going to pretend to to be for this for, okay. for this dis- discussion right here. Like, put my mm-hmm. my my head into this uh, you know perspective of someone who's like running a business and you know has to have a family and and feels the pressure to do it all. Well, you have like women have that pressure. Like, it, it's a reality. It's like because you have that window of like even my sister's like you know it just gets harder the older you get to mm-hmm. have a baby. And I'm just like cool. Well, I know I want one, but when? Like, right. I don't even have friggin' like. And that's the difference, again, between men and women. And unfortunately, we are not, like, fortunately, we are very different. I think that's a good thing. Um, are we equal? Yes, but we're very different. Sure. Um, and there are just certain stresses that, that we, as women, mm-hmm. have to think about. And, and children is, is one of them. But I think our ki- like, I will definitely take a lot of things that my parents instilled to kind of hopefully answer your question. Um, my parents sort of weren't helicopter parents. They did mm-hmm. care. They were involved to an extent, like as so much as they could. Um, and my parents, my in-laws are like the complete opposite, not opposite, but are very different compared to my parents. So I think I've learned a lot from them as well because they were both, mm-hmm. you know, first, they're like multiple, they're very Canadian. Yeah. Well, so. the, the the reason, um, and this is kind of back to the question, but the reason... <laughs> Sorry, I'm really good at not answering questions. <laughs> what are you trying to hide? Yeah. Um, so the you know the the topic of like you know kids. Uh, I have I have uh, you know friends who are raising kids and stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm just like it's it's really weird for kids right now. They, they have so much, especially in in our society. Um, you know they have they have phones and they have they have TV, they have iPad, mm-hmm. computers, all this stuff. And where is the hustle? Where's the need for grit? And I think grit is such an important 
thing that you have to develop, especially when you're young. Like you mm-hmm. have to be able to solve your own problems. Yes, you have to be 100%. able. percent. Um, even the the skill of relying on your friends is is a is is a big thing. But I mean, you know, again, when you were describing uh, yourself at 16, I'm like, are you going to throw your your kids out into the world and make them figure it out themselves? Because that's a scary thing for for a parent. We'll put it this way: like, I never went to daycare. Mm-hmm. To me, that's got to be friggin' scary. Like. I was very fortunate that my mom stayed home till I think I was seven. I remember it was like traumatic when she went back to work, but um, that's almost like throwing your kids out there or like having a nanny raise your kids. Like that to me is like scarier. And But yeah, I totally think that, you know, if my kid wants to, I don't know, start being an entrepreneur as a child, great. You want to make jewelry and sell it? I will help you. Because I think everybody has that capability. Like everybody has a weird skill or some sort of thing that they can sell. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just a matter of believing in yourself and just doing it. Like there is, there was growing up too, I always thought that like someone gave you a badge of like, Danny, you're going to be inspiring in a gym. You're going to have Academy Alliance. This is what's that's going to happen to you. I That's what I always thought. I thought someone came to Michael Jordan was like, you're going to be the best basketball player in the world. Like he mm-hmm. knew what was going to happen, mm-hmm. but no one does. There is no leprechaun on the side of the highway going like this way. Like you just have to figure it out. And that was one thing as a kid, I think I, I learned like my first job was working at Have a Java, which is this internet cafe that my sister's boyfriend owned in downtown St. Catharines. And I made coffee and I worked in an internet cafe. Sure, I'll do it. I worked in a pizzeria because my cousin owned a pizzeria. I worked in the hair modeling world. Like I've literally tried everything. Um, and that's sort of like what Lover's Land was, is that you just try it and if it if it doesn't work, it'll lead you to something. Mm-hmm. You know, like even the bridesmaid thing, like it's an opportunity, let me try it. And I think that that's so important and I think that goes back with sports. I think it goes back with um, working out and uh, and the whole thing, like even running. You know, figuring out, but sports and entrepreneurship, they're the same to me. They're totally. being comfortable with your failures mm-hmm. and learning very quickly from them. Yes. Uh, problem solving is going back to like how you mentioned about your kids and stuff. Like, you can't train, you can't teach, no one is going to be holding your hand the rest of your life. And it's like, even in sports, like, you know, the first time you kicked a soccer ball, you probably didn't do it right. But you know, you keep practicing and, and, and ask questions and, and watch and observe how other people do it, and eventually you'll figure it out. You know, so um, failure is huge. Like I think that is so important. But I also think you can learn so much from failure. And that was one thing I think I was brought up with was fear of failure. Mm-hmm. But I think through entrepreneurship, like failure is actually great. Yeah, absolutely. It, like, kind of again guides you through this map of how to figure things out, you know? Yeah, well, if failure is knowledge, then I have a lot of it, so. <laughs> Me too. High five. Yeah, that was good. Um, where can people find your store, you, hmm. all the social media and logistics? Okay, well, um, I'm at 215 Ossington in Lover's Land from Tuesdays through Sundays. You can't miss me. Um, but we're at shoploversland.com, and uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Lover's Land. One word. Uh, so yeah, if you're on Ossington, what you want to do is um, do a workout at the Academy of Lions. Yeah, you can literally then, make a day of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Head, you know, head head north to Lovers Land, buy some, uh, buy a wedding dress mm-hmm. or a watch for mm-hmm. your dude, mm-hmm. or if you're a dude, buy your own watch, and then um, go get a haircut 
at Town Barber. Yeah, and then go eat something because there's so many like Union, there's so many great restaurants. Absolutely, because we, we get a lot of people listening uh, who don't live in Toronto, mm -hmm. so you know, uh, make it a trip, it's worth it. Totally. Yeah, we're doing something here. We are, it's like a little come to the village of Ossington. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> It's like a little gingerbread village. It is. It <laughs> a is a coolness. There's everyone's so cool on this street. Um, you're cool. You're cool. You're the Danny. coolest one. Oh, you're, no, no, no. We're sitting in a lace tent and you're wearing a class shirt. I am. I am. Yeah. I know. I'm at work wearing like ripped jeans and a clash t-shirt. And that's why that's why our our shop's a bit different than the most bridal shops. <laughs> awesome. Okay. okay, cool. Cool. Thanks for visiting. Alright, another high five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love high fives. Okay. Peace out. Bye. Bye.